So we are journeying with Paul and Barnabas. They were set apart in the church at Antioch by the Holy Spirit. The local church laid hands on them and sent them. And it's like each town and city that they get to each region, uh, there's incredible adventure that is waiting. Similar to these two couples who went out into North America and planted. And the key issue we see from last week's sermon and this week's sermon, the gospel needs to be made plain. That is the bottom line. Jesus, in, uh, at summarize, uh, his ministry is summarized in, let's just get it right, Luke 19.10 says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. If you ever kind of think, what is the bottom line of Christianity? Uh, and, you know, our theme is how is Jesus building the church? He said he will. He builds the church. We preach the kingdom. How does he do that? We preach the gospel of the kingdom. And so our goal is wherever God has us, not as, you know, one-off projects or, you know, just the odd occasion uh, you know, thing that we do. It's a lifestyle of reaching out to a lost world with the gospel. There's only one thing that's going to make a difference in the end. It's born again and not born again. Another summary, and this is a challenge that Jesus gave us, is in Matthew 24, 14. Jesus said that this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Who wants to see the end? Some of us are saying, please, today. I've got big things that are facing me and I've got challenges. But we need to get on board with God and His program is this gospel's got to go out to the world. And you know, two-thirds of the world lives in this Southeast Asia area. We need to be trusting God for plants into that area need to be trusting God for strategic relocation. Spoke to a, a man, I won't give you his name, a couple of weeks back, and he's going on holiday to Seoul, South Korea, with view of establishing something of a plant in South Korea. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that great that somebody sitting in this auditorium has been touched by God in their hearts and they think in that way? And that, I feel, needs to be the agenda on all of our hearts. How can I make a difference with the gospel to my neighbor, to the nation, and the nations of the world? Because in the end, that's what it's about. Then the Lord will come. When will the Lord come? Not when COVID has come, or there are more volcanic eruptions, or you know, all kinds of wars and rumors or wars. No, when the gospel of the kingdom has been proclaimed. And so, Paul and Barnabas, as his Paul's fashion starts with a synagogue because he wants to help the Jews understand this gospel, wants them to understand how from the beginning God chose them as a covenantal people, but it was always that they might get to the point of realizing that it's through Christ that everything has been made possible through his death, burial, and resurrection. And they missed it. And we'll see over here response to the gospel, how people, men and women, respond to the gospel. And I think it's good for us to understand that the gospel isn't some mediocre message. It's not kind of something, oh, by the way, could I help you with the gospel? Now, this gospel is about life and death. 
Let's pray. Let's trust God together. It's interesting in the book of Nehemiah, when they read the word of God, Ezra, I think it is, they all stand. And so, Father, we want to allow your word this morning, even though it's 2,000 years old, we want to allow your word to help us understand how we should go about partnering with your son, Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit in us, your word, so that we can see this gospel go out in power. It is awesome, and we thank you for the privilege. Speak to our hearts. Give us ears to hear. Give us eyes to see the plan of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. See, the one thing that you realize is that the preaching of the gospel is going to produce believers, and it's going to, give, going to produce opposition, persecution. So let's read. Let's read the passage of Scripture. Um, are we going to pick it up? Matthew 13, 42. As they went out, the people begged that these things might be told them the next Sabbath. Isn't it awesome? Begging, would you just stay another week? We want to hear about this gospel. And after the meeting of the synagogue broke up, many Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas. So what we're looking at in this passage of Scripture is people's response to the gospel. How, how did they respond? And then it says, they followed Paul and Barnabas, who, as they spoke with them, urged them to continue in the grace of God. Verse 44, the next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the, vo the word of the Lord. But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy. See the response? And they began to contradict what was spoken by Paul, reviling him. And Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly, saying, Opposition? They speak out boldly. It was necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you. Since you thrust it aside and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life, behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. For so the Lord has commanded us, saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And so he reminds the Jews, this is your job. This is what God wanted you to do. But of course, now, all those in Christ, he's called us to be a light to those that do not know him. Verse 48, and when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. In other words, it's not just restricted to Jews. As many were, and as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region. Verse 50, but the Jews incited the devout woman of high standing and the leading men of the city. So this is not just, you know, Joseph. These are all the important people. Stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and drove them out of their district. The whole city comes to hear the gospel and then this handful of dissidents gets them uh, kind of pushed out of that area. But they shook off the dust from their feet against them and went to Iconium. Isn't it interesting? Jesus said when he sent out the disciples, if they don't receive you, to shake the dust off your feet and then go to the next city. That's the thing. We keep going. It doesn't matter about the opposition. We keep going. Paul and Barnabas show us this. Remember, the Spirit of God is leading them. The Spirit of God sent them. The Spirit of God is empowering them. 
and he'll do exactly the same with us. And then, verse 52, and the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. So they had response, both negative and positive. And their response in their hearts, the disciples, is there was joy because the gospel is going out. Verse 1 of chapter 14, now at Iconium, they entered together into the Jewish synagogue, there's the pattern, and spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. See the pattern? We are called to preach. There are going to be those who believe. There are going to be those who oppose, but we keep going. We don't stop. And then it says, so they remained for a long time, speaking boldly for the Lord, who bore witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. One of our songs we sang, the last one, is we want more of your Holy Spirit, Lord. We can't do this on our own. And as we preach God's word by the power of his spirit, he's wanting to confirm it. And there is the pattern. Granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles. When an attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews uh, with their rulers to mistreat them and to stone them, they learned of it and fled to Lystra and, and Derby, cities of Lyconia and the surrounding country. And there, what did they do? <laughs> Continued to preach the gospel. Wouldn't you be fed up at that stage? Come on. The Spirit of God separates us, sends us, and now wherever we go, there's these mixed results. But you see, it's the Spirit of God who convicts hearts. The Spirit of God makes converts. It's the Spirit of God who pours out uh, signs and wonders accompanying the preaching of the Word. We are servants who are called to take the gospel out. doesn't matter what the circumstances, and sometimes even those who oppose later on tell you that the very words you spoke that they opposed became seed that changed their lives. That happened to me. Remember, those who had witnessed to me, I just kind of ignored them and told them that they were crazy. But later on, those things hooked into my heart. We don't know what God does with that. And so I want to encourage us to keep going, to keep going. This gospel of the kingdom needs to be proclaimed. So let's have a look at some of the responses. First thing, though, is the gospel, if we want to try and summarize this passage, must be preached ongoingly. Can you say of your life and of kind of the game plan as far as kingdom goes in your life that the gospel is the primary message that you are committed to, you understand it, you're convicted by it, you're applying it, and you're allowing it to flow through you looking for opportunities to pray for others and witness to them. Amen. Oh me, oh dear, <laughs> help us Lord. <laughs> it needs to be a priority, it really does. And so there will come times when we kind of have prayed and I know with great disappointment I'd prayed up to a point to lead my father to the Lord and he would just say, no my boy, it's not for me. He must have said that about 10 times until finally one day he said, I'm ready, please pray with me. So I want to encourage us that way. 
So here are some of the responses from this passage of Scripture. And they're quite a range of responses. In 13 verse 42, it says, The people begged Paul and Barnabas to return to them and tell them more about Jesus. Isn't that awesome? We should pray for that. I also think of Acts chapter 2, when Peter preaches and the crowd says to him, what must we do to be born again? Those are wonderful, golden, grace-given opportunities. And we need to trust God. Amongst all the persecution and criticism and issues, those are wonderful moments. And then in verse 43, it says, many Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas. And so these also help us. Let's pray that people would respond that way. Verse 44, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Verse 45, some people began to openly contradict what Paul was saying and reviled him. It's interesting. There's many kind of theories. What is the thorn in Paul's flesh? You know, what is the thorn? that he talks about in 2 Corinthians. And a lot of people will say it could have been the Judaizers or the Jewish sector. Wherever he went, they became a thorn in his flesh. They would oftentimes send people ahead to the next town so that they could already start criticism against him. Let God sort that out. We don't have to defend ourselves. It's up to God. Verse 48, the Gentiles began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. As many as were appointed to eternal life believed. Rejoicing and glorifying the Lord. Awesome. Life that has been set free. This morning we heard about the importance of chains dropping. What can break chains? What can give us hope? What can help us understand the righteousness that we are in Christ Jesus? It's the gospel. Only thing that can set us free and keep us free is the gospel. Verse 49, the word spread throughout the whole region. And we're trusting God for that in Johannesburg, that the word of God would spread. And as we have these 10 venues in the city preaching the gospel, we trust in God for the next area and the next area. Because that's all that there is. Verse 50, influential and powerful people were stirred up to persecute Paul and Barnabas and forced them out of Sidian Antioch. Influential people. It's interesting how they're the ones that oppose. You know that for seven years we looked for a venue in Yeovil. Just couldn't find a venue. We go to the government, there was a library that was derelict. We'll fix it up, we'll do whatever. Nothing. They didn't. They opposed. One uh, great kind of meeting was Bill with Craig managed to get hold of an old nursery school and the owner was actually a mafia dude in the area. He arrived with these two henchmen and a gun and started to negotiate with Bill. And all they could see was dollar signs. It's amazing how the influential often resist what God is wanting to do. But we're not there to try and put them in their place. What's our job? Preach the gospel in season, out of season. Verse 52, the gospel goes on to the next city, to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. That's a vision I have for our city. You know, you think of the city and the, the hurt and the pain. Just recently took a drive through Brahmies and Hilbra and down Rocky Street in Yeovil. You know, the first thing I thought was, there's so much rubbish. 
Surely somebody could just buy a truck and go and remove it all. And God said, you're not there to remove rubbish. You're there to preach the gospel. And you know, I want to see our city full of joy, full of joy, rejoicing in God, rejoicing in the Holy Spirit, families alive again, streets where people can dwell in. Verse, four, verse 1 of chapter 14, preaching again in the next city, a great number of both Jews and Gentiles believed. You see, the gospel will bear fruit. That is the issue. Verse 2, those who did not believe the message started slandering these new believers and poisoned the people's minds against them. Interestingly, we don't see Paul taking them on. We just see him going to the next city and the next opportunity to preach the gospel. And then verse 5, those opposed to Paul and Barnabas attempted to mistreat them and to stone them. Of course, next week we'll see how that actually does happen. You know, Paul does get stoned and he's left for dead, but gets up and what does he do? Drags himself back into the city to carry on preaching the gospel. I love that. You know, now we say all of this to try and measure our lives up to this. And you know what? I don't like being inconvenienced. I don't know about you. You know, I want to do this whole thing as long as it's convenient for me. I know I'm expressing some of our thoughts as well. Because often the preaching of the gospel or being a witness or testifying or sharing my, uh, something of my experiences and that, it, it seems daunting. But in the end, this is the game plan. That's why we gather. That's why we send guys out to the rest of this world all over the place as God leads. It's for the sake of this gospel impacting. And here's a little kind of summary of how the gospel is going to be received, how we are going to be misunderstood, mistreated, and criticized. But yet, we need to go. And so I want to encourage us in our inconvenience. And even though people might misunderstand us, we need to pin our colors to the mast. We need to say that, you know what? This is what makes the difference in my life. To our friends at work, to our family around us, to wherever we connect, wherever we go, we have got something to say. People need to be born again. One thing you cannot be is neutral to the message of the gospel. People in the city were divided, some with the Jews, some with the apostles. They sided with them. But this thing of the gospel is not a neutral message. It's not come to kind of just placate people. The Eastern philosophers said that religion is the opiate of the people. It's a way to kind of control society. No, it's not. We can never reduce the gospel to that. The gospel is a life and death message. We need people to understand that. George Whitfield said, it is a poor sermon that gives no offense, that neither makes the hearer displeased with himself nor with the preacher. Think about that. Afterwards, they look at you and they say, well, how dare you? Actually, those are not my words. Those are not mine. The great white throne judgment is a biblical principle. George Whitfield on many occasions had guys go to the butcher and get offal or go and look for dead cats in the road and wait for opportunities when he preached to throw offal and dead cats and dogs at him. And he would say, thank you for the privilege of preaching your gospel, Lord. <laughs> Any of you had a cat thrown at you for preaching the gospel? Or a bit of gut? You know, blinder darum, or I don't know what, no. 
not at all. So we can expect opposition, but we can expect salvation as well. And that's what I'm trusting God for. Lord, I'm going to sow seed, I'm going to preach your gospel, and I'm trusting for people to be born again. I love that verse where it says, the word of the Lord, um, sorry, let's just go back a little bit. Verse 48, and when the Gentiles heard what Paul had preached, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord, and as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. How many are appointed to eternal life? Every single one. It's God's desire that every single person be born again. And so we're going to have the wonderful privilege of doing that. And it shouldn't be that kind of rare occasion where we pray that prayer with others or we share that message or we testify. It should be a lifestyle. And so to summarize it all, we're going to go through alliteration and look at peace, lessons to learn individually and collectively as a church as we look at this passage, which is representative of much of Paul and Barnabas' strategy as they go out into the world with the gospel. The first thing is the priority of the gospel. The gospel is an absolute priority. And if it's not in our lives, then Father, please get it there. And you can see how important it is. We do not want people to die without knowing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And as a matter of fact, the only way to live on this planet, the only way to see uh, victory, the only way to have comfort in the storm, the only way to be able to make it and, and not live that life of slavery is to be born again. And so the priority, not just for me, but for those around me, I want to help them with that. Number two, the perseverance required in preaching the gospel, no matter what the opposition, we continue in the grace of God, we continue to uh, preach this gospel. Perseverance, we don't give up. You know, because we've been rejected once, we've been misunderstood, we've been criticized, whatever, we carry on, we go back. And you know what? Love will wear them down. Love wore me down. Eventually, I just understood the incredible love of God and the, the acceptance and the identity that there is in Jesus. Love wins, not judgment. We are not called to judge. We're not called to condemn and criticize. We're meant to reach out with love, for God so loved the world, so we persevere. Number three is the power of the gospel to save and transform. Even though there were all these negative opinions, people believed they were convicted. And then the purposefulness in preaching of the gospel. In other words, I'm, I'm looking for opportunities wherever I am to kind of represent the kingdom by preaching the gospel. Looking for opportunities in the situations of life. Jesus was kind of confronted with the tower that had fallen down and killed people. So what does he do? He, he talks about the importance of them being born again. And, and you know, so what happened to them? If it was to happen to you, are you prepared for death? I remember the disciples come back raving about their power over demons. And he says, don't rave about that. Rave that your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Purpose. I've got a purpose. And wherever I go, I want to preach this. And then the last one is the progress of the gospel. We, we, we kind of in 10 suburbs or 10 regions of Joburg, 
There are still more churches that need to be planted. There are still more sites and life groups and opportunities for this gospel in our city. <laughs> yes, no, maybe. Try and convince me. I'm going to need dynamite to unseat me off this chair. Father, help us understand this. The job is not done until this gospel has gone out to every single ethnic group, language of the world. And today there are opportunities that are waiting over there, right here in front of me. The guy that serves me at the shops or at the restaurant, all the way to those commissionings where he's going to call groups of us to go out as he did with Paul and Barnabas. Let's pray.